Well, good morning. Thank you for being here today. It is time for us to release for Kids Zone. So, kids who are going to Kids Zone, you can go ahead and head to the back. Well, welcome. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4. Philippians 2, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4. So, we live in a world that is divided. We always have in reality, uh, but it seems in today's climate and culture, we have uh, more and more people embracing a divisive attitude and a divisive spirit about everything that's going on. We use language and rhetoric that turns everything into a war in our lives, in our world. We turn everything into a war and we turn everyone else into an enemy who doesn't fall exactly in line with us. And the problem with that is when we are in a war and everyone else is an enemy, we start to realize what starts happening in our lives is we do whatever it takes to win the battle that we're in. Unfortunately, the church isn't a lot different than what the world looks like many times. We hear stories of division in the church, churches completely tearing apart Uh, sometimes over some of the most wicked of things that are going on, and sometimes over some of the silliest things that you think, how in the world could that cause a church to completely split apart? But we have adopted the culture often, and we do the exact same thing. Because of a divisive spirit, because of selfish ambition, and God's word calls us to something better. The church, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ should pursue something better. Today's text is going to point us to that. So I'm going to read from Philippians 2 verses 1 through 4 and then pray for us as we get ready to look at the truth from God's word. Philippians 2, starting in verse 1. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not to his not only to his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we can gather together for worship. I pray for us now as we prepare to receive the truth from your word. As always, we confess it as true and we ask for your help 
in believing and responding to its truth. So Holy Spirit, work now in our hearts and minds, work in the hearts of this church to change us for your glory, God. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The central truth of the text today is this. The gospel is the basis for unity in the church. The gospel is the basis for unity in the church. Let's look at verse 1 of this passage again. Philippians 2, verse 1. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit... If any affection and mercy, all of these items that Paul mentions in verse 1 are true for us because of Jesus Christ. Every single one of these are absolutes for us because of the good news of the gospel. They are the basis the gospel is the basis, and these truths are central to the, to the unity that we are called to in the church. The way that this verse is written, of course, it's written not to provide us with questions. They're written with certainty, but the way it's translated in English, it almost looks like maybe that's not the case, but we know that's not true. Because of the gospel, these are true, so the the, the word if actually could be translated since or because. Since then, there is encouragement in Christ. Since then, there is consolation of love in Christ. Since then, there is fellowship with the Spirit because of Christ. Since then, there is affection and mercy These are not questions, they're absolutes. These are true for us because of the good news of the gospel. And Paul holds out these truths and says, because of these things, because of every one of these things, then what I'm calling you to, you should respond. Because the gospel is true. The good news about Jesus is the basis for our unity in the church. Now, we're not talking about uniformity. We're not talking about uniformity in every thought and every action and every habit in our life. We're talking about unity in mind and purpose of what God has us gathered together for. What His purpose is for us when we live live out our lives united So don't mix this up and think that everyone has to have the exact same mindset with you on everything that this world has to offer. That's not what God intends. But we're going to see that the gospel is the focus. And when we unite around that, then God works in a miraculous way in our lives and uses our church to shape the world To draw people in to Christ. So I've titled my sermon, Gospel Unity. And so as we look at our text today, I want to point out three characteristics or three things that gospel unity calls us to in in our individual lives and in the life of the church. Because of Jesus, because of the good news of Christ dying for our sins... 
being buried and then rising again on the third day, because that's true, then everything that's happened to us and for us through Jesus calls us to change in how we interact with one another in this body. So the first point that I want us to look at from this text is this. Gospel unity calls us to a gospel-focused purpose. Gospel unity calls us to a gospel-focused purpose. Let's look at verse 2 from Philippians 2. Make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. One mind, the same love for one another, united in spirit and intent or focused on one purpose. Because of Jesus, Paul says, because of what Christ has done for you, then would you make my joy complete by doing this, by living this way as a body of believers? And for church leaders, for pastors and elders of churches, that sentiment of what he says, would you make my joy complete? is how we should feel, too, about the church. If, if our church would unite, would truly start to live as one on the same purpose to advance the gospel, that would complete every joy in my life. I would experience the greatest of joys to know that our body of believers is intent on this one purpose. That purpose is the gospel. It's the advancement of the gospel. So that's what Paul is calling them to. Because of the gospel, then focus in on advancing the gospel. And if that sounds familiar, it should. Paul has brought this up multiple times in the letter to the Philippians already. We saw when he started his thanksgiving and prayer for the Philippians, he said he thanks God for them because of their partnership in the gospel. He's like, you've joined with me in this single purpose, this single passion to advance the good news of the gospel. And then Paul explained to them after that how this is his passion the advancement of the good news about Jesus. That's, that's what he's living for. That's his one purpose in his life. And he goes on to say, no matter what happens to me, no matter what people say, no matter what people do and whether I live or die, I don't care as long as the gospel's proclaimed. As long as Jesus Christ is magnified, I don't care about what happens to me. Paul is focused on this in his life. It's what he cares about solely. And he's calling the believers to live this same way. We see in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2, he talks about what his message was to them. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Why does Paul keep speaking about this? Why does he keep harping on this? Why does he keep bringing up to the Philippians and in other places that this is your purpose, this should be your passion, this is what's most important? He keeps bringing it up because it is what's most important. Listen to the way that he speaks about the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15. In verses 3 and 4, For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Look at what it says there at the beginning of verse 3. For I passed on to you as most important. This is the primary thing. This is the most important thing for your life. And earlier in the letter he told them, this is what I focused on. This is all that I knew when I was among you was Jesus Christ And Him crucified. Him dying for our sins. And so if He sounds like a broken record, as He's calling them to unity in the Gospel, it's because He wants to be. He keeps saying, don't forget, this is the most important thing for your life. Is a Gospel-focused purpose in this body of believers. So since the Gospel is the most important detail of our lives as individuals and the most important detail for the life of this church, then we should reorient our thinking around it. We should reorient everything that we do around the good news of the gospel. It should be our passion. And it should be what we, un- what we unite together for the purpose is to advance the good news of the gospel so that the lost world can hear of what Jesus Christ did for them. One single purpose. He says, I want you intent on this purpose. And if you will do that, you will make my joy complete. So for us, the starting point in that is reminding ourselves regularly of the good news of the gospel. Remind ourselves regularly what Jesus Christ did for us. Sometimes we think of it as something that we believed in the past and now we have to move on to something else in the faith. And the gospel central to everything we believe, central to everything that we should do, And so we remind ourselves, we need to remind ourselves regularly that Jesus Christ died for my sins. And because He died for my sins, and because He rose from the dead, I have hope. I have true joy. So, what I would challenge us with this week is take some time each day reminding yourself of the good news of the gospel. And I think a a place for us to start is read the gospel accounts of Jesus' crucifixion and His burial and resurrection. Read one of the gospel accounts tomorrow of what Jesus did on the cross for you, for your sins, and remind yourself again, this happened Because of my sin. And he did this because he loves me. 
and then pray, God, change my life today so that the way that I'm living makes this my purpose and my passion. So that everything that I do, each step that I take, each word that I speak, let this be a way for me to unite with my brothers and sisters and use me to advance the gospel for Christ's glory. The gospel unity calls us to a gospel-focused purpose. Back in Philippians, the second point I want us to look at is this. Gospel unity calls us to humbly put others first. Gospel unity calls us to humbly put others first. Let's look at verse 3 in Philippians 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. So he gives us the negative first and then the positive of what we should do. The negative is do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. That's the way of the world. That's the way that the world always has functioned since the fall. Selfishness and promoting your own self, doing what's best for yourself, pride in yourself. This is the way of the world. The Greeks, when Paul was writing, didn't really have a word that translated for humility because the concept was so foreign to them. It was so looked down upon that someone would actually practice humility, that they would humble themselves. And so the only writing records that they have of this concept of humility in Greek literature at this time is used in, in connection with a servant who is forcibly pushed down below everybody else in the status. And so they used it as a derogatory mindset. The concept of you choosing to humble yourselves and put someone else first was foreign to them. And our culture is not much different. We do the exact same thing, but Paul, in God's Word, inspired by the Spirit, says, the church has a better way. The church can look different than the world. And so the positive effect here, the, so don't do anything out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Paul says the church, humility should, should be prominent in our lives, should be first response. Putting others before yourselves is how we can live because the gospel's true. Because of what Jesus Christ did for us, we can live this way. We can pursue this here at Dogwood Church. You've probably heard it stated that we are all on level ground at the cross. There's not some people elevated above others at the cross. We're on level ground. And so because that's true, because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, we can stop trying to elevate ourselves. We can stop trying to do what's best for me and start considering what's best for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen to this quote from Tony Meridia 
and Francis Chan on the subject. There will never be unity in the congregation apart from people walking in humility. It will be at the heart of a gospel-centered church. There will never be unity in the congregation apart from humility, apart from people walking in humility. It will be at the heart of a gospel-centered church. So as we strive towards gospel unity here at this church, coming together with one purpose, we can do so with humility and saying, what's best for my brothers and sisters in Christ is what's best for me. I I want to care for, for their needs. I want to care for their faith. I want to care for what's best for them. We can stop trying to elevate ourselves and lift up our brothers and sisters. That starts, church, with us fighting pride. Because we're all tempted towards pride in our lives. We're all tempted towards thinking that our ways, our thoughts, our ideas are better, are more important. We are tempted with pride. And if you think, well, I'm not tempted in pride, you probably will start to feel a sense of pride in that. This is something that is true of our fallen hearts. And Paul says, because of the gospel, we can care about our brothers and sisters more than we care about ourselves. And so let's work on fighting pride in our lives this week, every single one of us. Let's fight against thinking that my way, my thoughts, my ideas about what's best at Dogwood Church are, are what's best and start thinking, how can I put others first here at Dogwood Church? You're going to have countless opportunities to do this in your life. You will have countless opportunities to look at your brothers and sisters in Christ, look at other people in your life and say, I'm going to do what's best for them today in your personal life, and in your church. And so pray that God would grant you a spirit of humility and that he would give you the strength to start lifting other people up and caring more for them than you care for yourselves. And the good news about that is when we pray for God to work in our lives that way, we can be certain he's going to do so. He's going to grant us humility if we're sincerely saying, God, I need you to work in this. I need you to change my heart because my heart says, I want what's best for me. But I need you to change me so I'll care more about others. And he will. That's good news. So pray for humility and start practicing in as many ways as possible in your own life and in the life of this church how you can elevate others and care for their needs as many ways as possible. And that leads us to the third point from today's sermon. Gospel unity calls us to care for the interests and needs of others. Gospel unity calls us to care about the interest and needs of others. Let's look back at Philippians 2, verse 4. Everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Look out not for your own interest, but also the interest of of others. So first he said, humility is what's called for in the church. 
because of what Jesus did, put others before yourself. And now, he says, don't just think differently about them, but act differently because of the gospel. We're called to care for the interest and the needs of the body over our own. Since we're united in the gospel, it makes sense for us to care for the rest of the body and not just care for our own self. When Paul talks about unity in the church, he actually uses the image of a body, right? In Corinthians, he speaks about this and he says we are the body of Christ, and so he talks about how the, the different parts of the body all have different roles, but they have to remember that they are united as one body. And listen to the way that he describes that and how each part thinks about the rest. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 25 and 26, "...so that there would be no division in the body." but that the members would have the same concern for each other, so that if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Paul says, in the body of Christ, we have to start remembering that we are one, and we have to care about the whole body. If we're only caring about ourselves, we're forgetting that when part of the body is suffering, when part of the body is hurting, the whole body's hurting. And so Paul says we can care more for the interest of others, the needs of others. And that's what he's calling the Philippians to. And that's what God's word calls us to. Is that because of the unity that we have in the gospel, we can care for others. So we have to start asking ourselves, what's best for the others that are here at Dogwood Church? What's best for the other individuals of this church? Not what's best for me. What's best for my brothers and sisters in Christ? What's best for the children of Dogwood Church? What's best for the youth of Dogwood Church? What's best for the young marrieds? What's best for the, uh, the singles? What's best for the widowed? What's best for the people who are in their stages of retirement? What's best for them is the question we should be asking about every category that we don't fall in in this church. What's best for them and their faith? And then start working towards that. Start caring more about that. And say, that's what I'm pursuing is the good of the rest of this body. And if we would all start doing that, it'll shock the world. It doesn't make sense when we live that way. When we care more about others. When we care about exalting others instead of ourselves. What's best for them? What's best for their faith? When we do that, we foster gospel unity that God calls us to in the church. Divisiveness is the way of the world. Division is the way of the world. God's word calls us to another way. The kind of living 
that God's word calls us to doesn't make sense. But when we live this way, we honor Jesus. When we live this way and the world stands amazed and says, why would you do that for someone else? We can point them to the good news of the gospel. When we live that way, we can say, it's because there's encouragement in Christ Jesus that I've received. It's because there's consolation of love in Christ Jesus. It's because we've been given the Holy Spirit to indwell us. And the fellowship that we have with the Spirit is why I would live this way. It's because affection and mercy has been poured out on me. That's why I can live this way. It, sh- it shocks the world. But God's Word calls us to this. And if we would do this, if we would unite together with one purpose and say, I'm going to humbly lift up my brothers and sisters in Christ instead of me and I'm going to start caring more about their needs, we will honor Jesus. And that's the purpose. That's the goal. Remember, that's what Paul says. This is all I want is to magnify Jesus with everything that I have. And that's what he called the Philippians to. Live your life worthy of the gospel is what we saw last week. And so these are ways as we pursue gospel unity, these are ways that we can pursue this in our life and honor Christ for what he's done for us. Let's pray. God, thank you for the truth of your word. I confess there are countless ways that I'm selfish, and I know we all can confess that same thing. So as we confess that now, that we are selfish, that we promote what's best for ourselves, pursue what's best for ourselves in our sin, we ask that you change us, that you shape us, that you heal our hearts because of our sin and that you will start to use us, that you'll use Dogwood Church and the unity that you are building here to shock the world, to draw people in and to use us to point people to Jesus for his glory. Do that now. In Christ's name, amen.